I'll get those after the service. Hey, good. Well, it's great to see you this morning. I don't know if you follow the news, but there was a fascinating news story. Uh, It really went viral internationally last weekend. It concerned the end to a 5,000-meter race at a prestigious international uh, track and field world championship. And what drew people's attention were the final two runners to complete the race. As it turns out, one apparently... Um, had an unexpected medical issue, exhaustion or dehydration. I'm not sure exactly what it was, but, but he collapsed in the final turn, going into the final turn of this 5K race. And what did the other guy do that was right there with him? He stopped and helped him up. And they ended up finishing the race together. If you didn't see that, let me just show you the video of it. That was a great, great story. In fact, when I, when I saw the news story, the headline was something about um, a great act of sportsmanship. Interestingly, the, the runner that provided assistance in that scene was a, a guy, if I, if I can get his name right, Bramo Dabo. And in a press conference afterwards, he was, he was quoted this way. He said, I just wanted to help him finish the race. Now, I realize that's a great act of sportsmanship, but, you know, as I was getting ready for this morning and thinking about what we're going to talk about, I actually think if you would lock that image in your mind for a moment, that what we just saw is actually a great illustration of an important dimension of what it means to follow Jesus Christ. To show you what I mean, we're now going to come to Hebrews chapter 10. This morning, we're wrapping up this series entitled For One Another. We started uh, really last month looking at Jesus' vision for his church, for community. And we we started by seeing that Jesus had this radical vision that uh, through his work, not only was he bringing people together, or excuse me, not only was he bringing people back to relationship with God, but in bringing them back into relationship with God, he was also bringing us into relationship with one another. And this radical vision Jesus had for his followers that in coming back to God, we would be brought into relationship with one another is fleshed out in a variety of ways in the pages of the New Testament. Among other things, it is fleshed out in a number of one another statements. That is, we are to love one another. We're to serve one another. We're bear with one another. We're to accept one another. And as we saw last week, we are to forgive one another. And this morning, we're wrapping up this series by looking up or looking at one more of those statements, and that is this, we are to encourage one another. And after seeing this scene, I, I would tell you that I think one, one simple way of thinking about encouragement is this, encouragement is simply helping others finish the race. So now let's come to Hebrews chapter 10, let's come to Hebrews chapter 10.
As we come to the book of Hebrews, we're coming to a book where it appears that some early followers of Jesus Christ had become discouraged in following Jesus. I think partly because of pressures they may have been facing, challenges that they were facing. There, there seemed now to be a certain sense of, well, maybe we don't need to take this seriously. Maybe we just back off a little bit. And the book is written to encourage them, to encourage them to see the reality of who Jesus is, to encourage them to follow him. And, and I think in many ways, the, the central part of the book, or maybe the mountain peak experience in the book, in terms of this is what the author is really getting at, is actually found in Hebrews chapter 10, beginning in verse 19. If you want to really want to take away what the author wants you to take away from this book, you need to pay attention to this paragraph. Hebrews 10, 19 to 25. So let me read it for you. And and as we go through this, see if you can notice the three commands that are embedded in this paragraph. The author writes, Therefore, brothers and sisters, since we have confidence to enter the most holy place by the blood of Jesus, by a new and living way opened for us through the curtain that is his body, and since we have a great priest over the house of God, Let us draw near to God with a sincere heart and with the full assurance that faith brings, having our hearts sprinkled to cleanse us from a guilty conscience and having our bodies washed with pure water. Let us hold unswervingly to the hope we profess, for he who promised is faithful. And let us consider how we may spur one another on toward love and good deeds, not giving up meeting together as some are in the habit of doing, but encouraging one another all the more as you see the day approaching." So I didn't know, did you see there, there are really three commands embedded in this very thick paragraph. Let me just highlight them for you. First of all, the author says, let's draw near to God. And that, that ties into the theme of, of faith. Secondly, he says this, he talks about hope. Let us hold unswervingly to the hope we profess. And then thirdly, we get to the end and there's the theme of encouragement. Let us consider how we can spur one another on. And that really ties into the bigger theme of love. So right in the central paragraph that really is the pinnacle of the book of Hebrews, we're reminded of these foundational virtues of the Christian life, faith, hope, and love. It's like the author looks at these people who are now wondering, well, maybe I just back off. Maybe we just pull back. This Christian thing is starting to get complicated. It's easier just to step away. And he's saying, no, no, no. Don't you remember your life is part of this bigger story of what God is doing so you've got hope. And in light of this hope, you need to lean into the faith that you have and you need to lean into the relationship with God. You can come boldly to God now as a follower of Jesus Christ. Furthermore, as you lean into that relationship with God, you've got to be building into the relationships with others and do so by encouraging one another. So for this author, particularly as he's challenging us to be in one another's lives, there is the importance of encouragement. So let's just think about this for a moment. The author says we need to stir one another up. I mean, when you think about encouragement, what do you think about? What are some ways in which you define encouragement? I think a standard definition of encouragement is this. Encouragement involves giving someone support, confidence, or hope. And when you think about people that have encouraged you, what it's looked look like, you, would, you, you, know, you say, yes, that's what, what happens. People have encouraged me, they've supported me, they've encouraged me to take next steps, a sense of hope. That's, that's all true. 
But notice in this passage, the idea of encouragement is, is encouragement in a particular direction. It's along a particular path, right? He says, he's talking about stirring up one another, encouraging one another in love and good deeds. And here's what I think the author is getting at. If you read a little farther in Hebrews, you will see that he compares following Jesus to being part of a race. He gets to that imagery in chapter 12, and he says, it's like you're on this race, you're on this path, and, and you're on this journey, so we encourage you to keep stepping in that direction, keep moving in that direction. And, and I think his expectation is this, as you continue take, taking steps in this direction, as you continue building into this relationship with God, it will overflow into love and good deeds. You're on this journey, you're on this path with fellow believers, and, and as part of being on this path, as part of being in this race, it, it should overflow into love and good deeds. So that's the direction of this encouragement. So I think, you know, next week as we go out into different parts of our region, from Hummelstown to Harrisburg to E-Town, and we're working with different people, different groups, I think that the author of Hebrews would look at what we're doing next week and say, look, they're... They're in the race. They're living out their faith in love and good deeds. So there's, there's this deep expectation in this paragraph that, that as followers of Christ, as we are now on this journey, you know, it is it's to overflow into love and good deeds. And you and I are supposed to be encouraging one another in this effort. In simple terms, we're to be helping each other run the race and finish the race well. That's an important part of being for one another. That's an important part of loving one another. Now, if this is the case, let's say, why is this important? I mean, particularly for this reason, isn't it, isn't it, the, isn't it the truth that as we get older, we have a certain expectation that we become more independent? For those of us that are parents, I mean, you've got your... You know, your kids are in the other part of the building right now, but it's your expectation, your goal, that one day they will be more independent. That's what growing up means, right? Becoming responsible, becoming more independent. So if I become independent, why do I need other people encouraging me? Why is encouragement so important to being a follower of Jesus? Well, let me just highlight several reasons why I think this is important. Even if you feel independent, even if you feel well-established in your life, here's Here's why we still need encouragement. First of all, I need encouragement because as a follower of Christ, I always have other options. And I always have other options. As a church, we talk a lot about living with Jesus and and as as, as being central to being a follower of Jesus, living, loving, and leading. And, you know, that's how we define what it means to be a follower of Jesus around here. And as we talk about living with Jesus, one of the things we try to do in different ways is encourage you to engage God through different spiritual practices and rhythms. For instance, to be a person that that builds into your life engaging God in, in Scripture on your own. One of the ways we do that, if you were here with us earlier in the year, we did a series in Mark where we went through the, the book together, and we encourage you to be going through that together in groups and other environments. We provided resources to do that. We're already preparing to do some, a similar kind of series at the beginning of next year as we go through the opening part of the Old Testament. And, and, and see that part of the reason we do things that way is to encourage you to get into Scripture. That as we go through it together, that can be an encouragement to get into Scripture. Because the reality is you've got other options to, 
Spend your time, right? There are other ways you can spend time in the morning, the evening, and, and, and we're busy. Our lives are full. So sometimes it feels awkward getting into scripture. I don't get anything out of it. So we need, we need encouragement because I always have other options. Another reason you and I need encouragement as believers is I don't see immediate results, right? Sometimes I don't, I don't see immediate results. We've been in this series where we've been talking about relationships and maybe at different points you've walked away saying, you know, there's some things I need to do differently in certain relationships. I've got to learn to be more fully present in certain conversations and maybe you've been working on that or I need to be more positive in certain relationships. Sometimes I've just been negative in how I deal with certain people, always complaining and I need to get away from that or I need to think about handling conflict differently so I've been trying to do that differently with my, my spouse or with my kids or with my parents and, and maybe you, you, you've started to get frustrated because it's like I'm, I'm doing these different things, I'm seeking to follow Christ and being for other people but but I'm not necessarily seeing immediate results. I was talking to someone recently and and that was his frustration. I mean, he said, you know, I'm I'm trying to take seriously this this whole idea of being for one another and, and, and valuing relationships and getting people together. But he said, I'm always the one in my group that has to do that. I'm always the one that has to plan things. I'm always the one that has to take initiative. Other people don't seem to value it like I do. And, and he was taking positive steps in following Christ, but he wasn't necessarily seeing immediate results at the time. So it, this is one of the reasons why, why you and I need encouragement. And thirdly, I would just say, we, you and I, we need en- encouragement as followers of Christ because sometimes I get stuck. Sometimes I get stuck. Sometimes I get stuck in negative patterns of thinking, negative patterns of behavior, addictive patterns, addictive behaviors. Sometimes I just need someone else to be in my life just to help me see things differently or more clearly. For some of us, there's really weighty stuff in our past that that is complicating our lives. After Beyond the Wall Sunday, we're starting a new series called The Struggle is Real, and we're going to deal with several of those hard areas of struggle that that some of us are dealing with, from things like anxiety and depression to challenging family dynamics to abuse to lust. These are some things that that can weigh us down, and sometimes we, in different ways we get stuck in these hard places, and, and we're really not going to make progress. We're not going to move forward unless there are other people that come alongside to help us finish the race. So here's some reasons why, regardless of your situation, regardless of your status, your income, why you and I, we still need encouragement from one another. So if encouragement is going to be important in your life and mine, and, we, and we're always going to need it in, in different ways, how do we develop it? I mean, how, how, do I, how do I become a person for whom this is really part of who I am? How do, how do I become a person that truly is an encourager? To think about that, what I want us to do for a moment is, um, let's go back to Hebrews 10 and just zoom in on verses 24 and 25. 
So let's look at this again. Let us consider how we may spur one another on toward love and good deeds, not giving up meeting together as some are in the habit of doing, but encouraging one another and all the more as you see the day approaching. I think, I think the author actually gives us some, some very helpful insight on how we can become encouragers, how encouragement can become more and more a part of who we are. And first of all, I think he suggests that we need to develop a certain mindset. I mean, he says, you know, I want you to think about how you can stir one another on. So it implies a certain amount of of thinking and, and implies, I think, a certain mindset that we need. Now imagine for a moment I had a, I had a huge marker board up here and imagine I kind of divided everybody up into small groups, you know, like groups of five to six people. And I said, I want you to bullet character traits of people who you would say are great encouragers. And so we took, you know, we took 10 minutes and we're all in these groups and we bullet five or six things that we would say are characteristic of people that are great encouragers. And we came back together and I, and we just started shouting them out and we put them all on this marker board. My guess is there would be some overlap between what all of our groups identified as these kinds of character traits. I think many of us would say things like, well, the people that have been encouragers are real. They're people-oriented. They're, they're optimistic. Maybe you'd say they're, they're outgoing. They're people that were for me. Those are the kinds of things that we might say. But I think in understanding how to be an encourager as a follower of Christ... There's something deeper that needs to be at work in how we think. So let me just highlight two things I think we have to believe in if you, or I, if you and I are really going to grow as individuals who, who can truly encourage one another. First of all, I think we, we need to believe in grace. <laughs> we need to believe in grace. Remember what the author has just said in Hebrews 10, 19 and following. He's just said, I want you to come into God's presence with boldness and confidence. Because Christ has made a new way for you to do that. And, and, you, and we can come in because our hearts have been sprinkled. That is, our hearts have been cleansed. He has been at work in us from the inside out. Now, as you hear that language, understand this. I think it's quite possible that many of the people who received this letter, many of the people that were part of this early church, were Christians who had come from a Jewish background. And I think it is also likely that due to the pressure and perhaps some surprising social realities that have resulted because they've become Christians, there's now a certain draw to, well, let me just go back to the old way of thinking. Let me just go back to the old way of doing things. Let me just go back to an old way of looking at the law. My life was much simpler. It was less complicated before I became a Christian. So let me just go back to the old way of doing things. And so as you read the book of Hebrews, you will see he, the author acts in a very intentional way to argue, no, Jesus is superior to Moses. Jesus is superior to the Old Testament law. Jesus is superior to the Old Testament sacrificial system. All of that was actually pointing to him. And now what it was all pointing to has come. So don't go back. Don't drift back. Don't just revert back to the old way of doing things. And part of the reason Jesus is superior is now God is working in our lives from the inside out. 
This had actually been anticipated in the Old Testament when different Old Testament prophets said that one day God would do a new covenant. God would interact with us in a new way and one day he would actually cleanse us from the inside out. That would be the work of his grace. And when this author uses language like cleansing our hearts, he's using new covenant language. So the context in which this author talks about encouragement is a context where we're reminded we need to believe in grace. And let me show you one practical reason why this is so important if you're to be an encourager. And that is this. When I learned to really believe in grace and live in God's grace, right, so that as I go through life, as I'm praying to God, I'm not just bringing requests to him, but I'm celebrating what he's doing. I'm celebrating his faithfulness. When I gather, right, corporately with, with, with the church, I, I, I engage what we're singing and what we're hearing and, and realize and allow myself to be reminded of the reality of God's grace. When I'm living in God's grace, it frees me up from simply being consumed with all my stuff. I don't know about you, but this is true in my life. When I lose sight of God's grace, when I lose sight of just the the reality of what God is doing through Jesus Christ, it is so easy for me to get consumed with all this stuff going on in my life, the uncertainties, you know, whatever challenges and questions or stuff with our kids. It's, It's just, it's so easy when I lose sight of God's grace for my life to turn in on itself. And when I, when my life turns in on itself, it's harder for me to be for you. This week, I was thinking about the fact that so many different people over the course of my lifetime have been encouragers in different seasons of my life. And it was fun just to kind of itemize, you know, in different, I mean, it really feels like in different seasons of my life, God's just brought different people into my life. And, and, and they've encouraged in different ways. Some they've encouraged through service. Some they've encouraged through their words and timely conversations. Others, it's just been through example. I mean, I think there's one guy I think about as an encourager in my life. His name is Chuck. Chuck and, and I, we got to know each other because when we were having kids, they were having kids, and we all had boys, so it was okay for our families to be together. You just you lived in the chaos. So we spent time with Chuck and his family. We got to know each other. And as I got to know Chuck and as our kids started to reach school age, one of the things Chuck did that was really intriguing to me was he scheduled regular time with each of his kids. They'd go out or they'd do something. And that, that really, oh, I, I mean, I'd never seen that, but I'd never really thought about it. That really challenged me. So as our kids moved into elementary school, it was possible for me to build into my schedule just having lunch with each of them at school. And they loved it because I brought in hamburgers or Subway. I mean, year after year, I'm ordering a bacon chicken ranch without the ranch and explaining that's the way my son likes it. I mean, this was, this was part of my experience, you know, with my sons growing up. And then, and then they got older. And once they got older, we slowly morphed into sheets runs and having conversations over buffalo wings dipped in Dr. Pepper sauce. I'm like, that's our family legacy right there. That's going to, you know, it's like, oh my goodness, I can't believe he's eating that. But this, this has just become part, of, this has become part of my relationship with my sons. But it all started, it all started with, with Chuck. 
And there was never some conversation where Chuck looked at me and said, you know, George, you need to do what I'm doing. It wasn't that. It was just we got to know each other. And, and as I kind of had opportunity to see what he was doing, that just, that just became a challenge and encouragement to me. So this week I'm looking back and I see all these different people that have been encouragers in my life. And, and the cool thing is it's not like they fit into a single box in terms of personality type. You've got to be this personality type to be an encourager. You've got to do it this way. They did it all different ways. But here was one thing they had in common. The one thing they had in common was this. The encouragers in my life were not self-absorbed people. They weren't. They've encouraged in all sorts of different ways, but they weren't people who were self-absorbed. And you see, when it's the grace of God that enables me to live that way. It's the grace of God that enables me to move beyond my stuff so that I can be for you. Because here's the deal. All of us, we came into this room this morning. We've got stuff. I've got stuff. You've got stuff. We've got relational stuff. We've got conflict in our families. We've got stuff where we're trying to figure out work or I'm trying to figure out the next step in my career. I'm a high school student trying to figure out what I'm going to do after I graduate or there's family stuff and there's financial stuff. All of us have stuff that if we allow it to can become all-consuming so that our lives turn in on themselves and when that happens, we just can't be for one another anymore. There's just no room. So if if I'm going to grow as an encourager, I've got to believe in God's grace. Not only do I need to believe in God's grace, I also, I need to believe in growth. Once again, later in this book, the author says, this Christian life, it's like running a race. And he says, as you pursue Christ, as you take next steps in this race, learn to take off the stuff that is hindering you and getting in your way. And embedded in that imagery is the assumption that we are to grow in this relationship. The New Testament has this amazing vision that, is, that God's grace is, is to be at work in our lives in such a way that it brings about transformation, that it brings about growth. And if you and I are being encourage, encouragers, we've got we've to tap into this New Testament understanding that this is what God wants to do in the lives of people. God wants to take people and the brokenness in their lives and, and bring about healing. God wants to take people that are immature in a variety of ways and see them grow up. God wants to take people who are holding back and help them understand that they've been wired and equipped to make a difference and they have a contribution to make in the workplace and in what they're doing in the lives of other people so that they become part of his plan of redemption and restoration. God wants to take those hard places in relationships and bring about new ways of interacting with one another. I mean, the the New Testament is just page after page filled with this expectation that as God's grace is at work, it can bring about growth. And if I'm to be an encourager, this is my mindset. I've got to believe, you know what? God's grace is at work in me. It's going to be at work around me and it's bringing about growth. And I, I just want to help, therefore, other people stay in the race and finish the race well. Now, that's the mindset that we need. And very quickly, if you look at this passage, I think there are two action steps, very practical action steps that we need to take as well. We need this mindset, but furthermore, I think we need to, we need to, simply, <laughs> we need to simply be present. 
Notice again what the author says in uh, verse 12, uh, 25. Not giving up meeting together as some are in the habit of doing. Once again, we don't know the complete details of the background of the, this book. I do think it's likely that due to some of the social pressures and maybe the added stigma of becoming a Christian, that now some people are just backing off. It's just easier to pull back and disengage. And the author is warning against that. He's warning us against that. Likewise for us, I think there can be a variety of reasons why people disengage from church. We get busy. Life becomes complex. We go through different life changes, new seasons of life. And, and for many people, therefore, kind of pulling back from following Jesus, from engagement in Christian community, it's not necessarily a conscious decision. It's we, we just drift away. Yet the truth is, if you and I are going to be encouragers, if encouragement is to be a part of our lives, we've got to be present. We've got to be in relationship with one another. This is one of the reasons why, you know, two times a year we launch new small groups. We call them Live, Love, Lead groups. This is why in an ongoing way we provide opportunities for you to become part of our mid-sized group, our, our groups, our connect groups. And, and in each of these kinds of environments, you know, as we gather, the, there's the opportunity that we are building relationships with one another. And as we build relationships with one another, there is the opportunity for us to encourage one another as well. But not only do we need to be present, I think becoming an encourager doesn't simply involve being present. It also involves being personal. We've got to be personal. Notice how uh, verse 25 ends. But encouraging one another and all the more as you see the day approaching. Now, I actually believe that what the author is saying is not you need to become a really good encourager. I think what the author is actually saying is you need to learn to encourage the people that are in your life. I think there's a kind of a specificity to this. And the reason I say that is in verse, in the previous verse where he talks about, you know, we need to stir one another up to love and and good deeds. The, The focus is on understanding one another. That's kind of how the verse reads. You need to understand one another to stir them up. So the expectation is you need to know the people in your life. So we need to be present in the context of relationships and getting involved in in Christian community and finding a place where we can connect. But as we become present, we also need to become personal. We need to allow and and foster those relationships in, in such a way that we actually learn how we can encourage one another and what that looks like. And I think, I think for many of us, we just, we just learn that through experience. I mean, I, mean it's, it's, I recognize that, you know, like in my group, I want to be an encouragement to the other people there. And, 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 and there are different ways I can do that. I, I think I encourage and I can encourage by expressing thanks and appreciation, you know, thanking. As I get to know people, just, hey, thanking them for the different things they do. Because as a group, we, you know, at times we respond to different needs that we have. And just being grateful for that and encouraging in that way. Not only can I be an encourager through expressing appreciation, I think I can be an encourager as I express affirmation. You know, when I see something in the life of someone else, hey, I just appreciate the way you're handling that situation at work or you're engaging this relationship or I just, you know, I just appreciate the way you're trying to work through that conflict. And that can be an important part of encouraging. 
As I said earlier, uh, just being an example can be in a way we encourage one another, serving one another, being willing to just engage in conversations and finding out how we're doing and then being willing to follow up. Hey, you said last week you're going through a really tough week. How'd it go last week? So these are some of the steps we take in encouraging, and I think over time we realize what's going to be most meaningful in the lives of the people around me. So that, for instance, there's a guy I want to encourage this week because of some things going on in his life, but, and the best way to do that is just through a simple text. So that text will go out later today. I would encourage you, even in the context of your group, to have this conversation. You know, how can, how can we be encouraging to one another, and what, what's the most effective way for us to do that in your life? As a father of, you know, now young adult kids, we're having this conversation as they engage new seasons of life. Okay, now that you're getting older, now that you guys are becoming young men, how do we encourage you and what does it look like for us to come alongside you well? So if it's encouragement to become a part of our lives, we've got to be present and we have to be personal. Now, let me just make one other observation about this posture of encouragement, of being present and personal, and that is this. I think what you will discover is if you embrace this, not only does does it empower you to become an encourager, it also opens up the possibility that other people will encourage you. Because let's be honest, for some of us, haven't you had situations where you're going through something tough or hard and And you say to yourself, I'm always the person there for other people, but nobody's there for me. And you kind of feel, you know, have you ever done that? And what I've discovered in my own life is sometimes when I get, you know, get in that mood or kind of feel that way, the truth is I haven't been present and personal in the lives of other people. Maybe I've been present in certain group contexts, but I haven't really been open about what's weighing me down or what's bothering me. And consequently, I haven't really made space for them to be encouragers in my life. So if you embrace this well, if you kind of embrace what the author is talking about here, being present in relationships and being personal in relationships, not only is this going to empower you to be for others, it's also going to make it possible for others to be for you. A few moments ago, we, we started with that video clip, right, international athletic competition, track and field race. And the truth is, most likely most of us will have never participated in a track and field event of that level or stature. But the truth is, as followers of Christ, we're still running a race. We're still running a race, and we're running a race where We need others, and others need us if we are going to finish the race well. With that in mind, join me in prayer. Gracious God, as as we've been talking over the last few weeks, uh, it really is Jesus' vision that we learn to be for one another and for one another in a variety of ways. And as we think about what it means to encourage one another, I pray that you would help us just take this challenge of of being present and being personal very seriously. And perhaps even now, your spirit could just bring to mind certain relationships that are a part of our lives where we have the opportunity to encourage. 
certain relationships where we have an opportunity really to help people take next steps in running the race, help them stay in the race, and help them to finish that race well. Father, would we take those opportunities seriously? In Jesus' name, amen.